and it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 32, recorded February 18th, 2011. The Texas Flood. Hey, today it's Maverick, our buddy, and Michael Wilde, the Splunk Ninja, chatting about all sorts of random stuff. Talk a little bit the, about the storm that's coming. Let's roll. I gotta have more cowbell. That's awesome. Hey, hey, you know, um, we have something in common today, Maverick. What is that? We're still yet a man down. Jeff Blake oh. is missing in action. I think, I think he uh, teleported to some other, like maybe the fourth, fifth dimension, maybe. Or we might have, you know what? <laughs> or he's in Milwaukee doing a PLC, something. Uh, could be. Could be. He also could have been digitized. <laughs> and, um. One data center at a time. There you go. That's, yeah, Jeff's been digitized. So, uh, Maverick and Michael are back. And, uh, of course, we're both in Texas. We're in different locations. Where are you today, Maverick? I'm in I'm in the Plano office actually Plano Texas Plano north of, north of Dallas North yeah. Dallas is it North Dallas forty uh, <laughs> Yeah whatever <laughs> sure, sure sure whatever dude Okay okay uh, okay and I'm here uh, Michael Wild I'm here in Austin and uh, I for those who've been listening to Splunk Talk for a while I actually did grill last night Um what did you what did you grill I used to talk Ribs? about last summer. Like last summer, I was like cooking ribs and stuff. But yesterday, I just, it was so nice out, um, just even firing up the grill, just the smell of the propane and all of that, propane <laughs> and propane accessories, uh, reminded me of summer. So I did uh, just some filet mignon uh, off a of oh. tenderloin that I had, which was very good. Nice. But when I lived in St. Louis a while back, we used to, you go around asking if people are grilling, they'd be like, yeah, put some pock chops, pock steak, pock steak. They, yeah, that's, Is that how they talk in St. Louis? Yeah, yeah they go, yeah, yeah, I'm grilling some pock steak. Pock? Yeah, po- pork steak, but they'd say pock steak. I may be incorrect, but I do believe they also say pop and not soda there. That's in, that's in New York, I think. Uh, it's also in some places in Illinois. Being a Wisconsin person, I'm aware of this. So. Yeah, I found also up in New York, they say uh, up the butt, not out the butt. Like you say, man, that guy's just like, you know, got money out the butt. They say up the butt in New York. And then down here in the South, they say this might, he's got money out the butt like that. That's another. Okay. Okay. All right. So. All right. Uh, all right. So Maverick and I are going to have a little chat. It'll be kind of Q&A, kind of just two dudes rapping. Uh, we got a couple of topics today. Um, couple what do you want to start that, off? What do you want to start? Things off that with? happened this week. Well, I think you should start out with the continuation from last week. Okay. Um, so, good one. So last week on episode uh, that would be episode number thirty-one. Um, Maverick had a question that he brought up. Uh, actually, what was it? Me? Maverick answered it. I think I brought up the question. Right. Yeah, it was a question that I had. And it was around monitoring a directory. And if, if you have files in your directory that are never updated, so you know maybe you have some web logs and you're monitoring the whole directory because you're monitoring the directory, right. um, 
but they're old ones. There's really no point in going back and checking them again, right? So we talked about how in Splunk 4.2, which is coming out or may actually already be out, depending on when you're episode, listening to this, there's a new setting called ignore, fo- ignore older than. Ignore older than. Yeah, that's right. And you put an integer in there. Um, I believe in, a le- in a letter, like 70. I believe it's an unsigned integer. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's a whole integer. It's it just, like sev- seventy for like seven oh, days okay. or older. Yeah, or in or minutes or seconds, you can do it. Like really? Uh, yeah, I'll have to verify this and test it because I figured yeah. it was just a number. But anyway, no, you have to, you know you have to put one of those three to oh, make cool. it relatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like actually great. Or seven, seven hours or yeah, exactly. So this uh, update, I was talking to um, a customer yesterday, uh, or someone I think is going to become a customer, and. They said, well, what happens if I have a directory of files? And, and I tell Splunk, hey, you know, ignore them, these files, if they're older than seven days. But what happens if, let's say, on the eighth day, um, while resting, uh, on, the, on the eighth day, <laughs> one of these files gets updated again. So technically, it's now a new file again. Um, yeah, you'd want to index it again. What would be awesome is if it automatically picked it up. But in reality, it actually will not. So what Splunk is going to be doing is kind of building an in-memory blacklist. Okay, So as it's scanning files, if it sees one that's older than seven days and it's little black, you know, wherever it's keeping track of it, uh, it if, if your file gets updated like now... Boom, it's not going to pick it up, okay? So you might want to um, consider, just be aware of that. Um, I'll probably submit an enhancement request to kind of deal with that. But uh, that that's a rolling seven-day period. And again, it's sort of keeping it in memory. Now, if you restarted the Splunk server or use the REST API to reload uh, the actual uh, monitoring code or, or whatever, you can do that in Splunk. It would then reread it all and pick up that new file, but just be aware that it's uh, you, you, it's it, it has limitations. If you turn, you mean if you turned it back off or disabled it or something? No, if you restarted Splunk, okay. So if you because yeah. what when I was talking to Amrit, it's basically an in-memory list, okay. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Because the next time you restart Splunk, or if the monitoring processor gets reloaded, it rereads the configuration file of Splunk, and it says ignore older than seven, and it's going to rescan the directory and go, oh look, there's a new file, because you know that one file that was older than eight days is now newer because its mod time is newer. So, yeah. So, so I mean, the, the purpose of that whole parameter, the whole control, is to basically, you know, if you have a situation where you kind of already know that something's going to be written and it's static, it's not. It's a log file. It's something, or or it's an event or text file that you want to index into Splunk. You want to eat it, but you don't want you know you don't want to track it anymore. It's just done. It's going to maybe be deleted the next day or next week or whenever you get around to it. You know, that's really what I think that option is more for versus something that could possibly come back. If you think there's any chance of it coming back, you probably probably wouldn't want to. Probably don't need. That's probably not the right option. You yeah, or need to have a different. You know, as I was saying, is if you think it's coming, uh, well, I'll make an enhancement request on this. But if you think this was actually going to happen, one, like I said, one could restart the Splunk server. Let's say because this is this happened to be on a forwarder, because oh, this person okay. was monitoring like thirty five, forty thousand files. Oh, okay. Or one could 
you know, with a little small amount of work, you know, maybe uh, write a script that hit our rest endpoint that forced oh, the reload of the monitoring configuration. And if yeah. let's say if you did that every day, then you'd, you know, kind of pick up those. those oh, I see. So see what go, I mean? You, so that's like a more of a workaround to, to be it able to It would be a workaround, it. but it that's would work. That's pretty cool, actually. All it right. Would work. I, I get it. I wasn't quite getting it. Now I get it. So, yeah, that's just an update because I found, you know, as you learn about Splunk, you know, you can't anticipate the developers figured out every possible use case. And it turned out I had a question. It's like, well, what if that's written to again? So (laughs) just just to know, just uh, that's a little update. I'm be aware of that. So very, Um, very cool. What do you got there? I had a I had a uh, I have a good uh, question from someone the other day. Um, actually, it was more I was working on uh, on helping them understand how to how to do searching and stuff. And they had a really interesting scenario, I guess, a requirement. They're saying, you know, we have this. And, 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 and by the way, I'm just going to sidebar this by saying that um, they would not allow me to actually WebEx and see their data. It was proprietary. We didn't have an agreement with them, so I couldn't actually see the custom data they had. It was custom log data. Okay, so it they, happens, you know. Yeah, it happens. It's just you know, didn't have time to you know um, sign an NDA so I could actually they could share it out. So they were describing it to me instead, I and mean, it's basically saying so. So I was having to like figure this out with them without seeing actual data, which is kind of interesting. So they were like, okay, we have this data, and every so often we have an event that has uh, it mentions a T one in it, like I guess a, a T one line. Somehow, so some kind of a log that keeps track some of uh, network, whatever. Yes, yeah, so definitely a network, but a custom map that I guess monitors or something that they built, that they built themselves, mm. and it's T one, and then and then it and then a bunch of lines come after that that have the word or the term DHCP in it, like various you know DHCP like in the following events. Um, whenever there's a problem or something that they uh, that they need to pay attention to to be proactive. There'll be a few other events that will happen right after that first one with the T1 mentioned in it. There'll be a bunch of other events that will happen, four or five, you know, various ones. Could Some be in, errors you know, any that get barfed out or something like that. Or. Well, yeah, or something, but not but not necessarily something that might be an error, like the word error no. in it. It just might be things that, they, that they're concerned about. And then, and then the DHCP ones come right after that, like on like 7th, 8th, ninth down the list. So, th- so they said, you know, what we really need, we really need is a search that can search for these events that have the T1 mentioned in it, and then at least five lines that don't have the word DHCP mentioned in it, like that term. And then after that, anywhere after that, then if DHCP uh, comes out, uh, shows up, then um, those are the ones we want to get that T1, the one that, what those T1s are, the, the, the particular IPs or addresses or whatever other fields that are in that event with the T1. We only want those and the other ones we want to exclude. And I was like, okay, so that is very interesting, <laughs> very interesting. And I had to think about it for a while. And then I, then it came to me as, like, okay, so transaction, transaction command, right? So you know how we have the starts with and ends with parameters, right? Right. So so those of you that don't have never used transaction, it's a really neat way to link events together that have mat sometimes have matching uh like fields. Yeah, stuff. they got fields in them that match like maybe I want to link together your IP address and every event that has your IP address in it and then do that for every particular user. It's like building a transaction just out of the log. So 
Yeah, and I and I just helped somebody with that command uh, earlier in the week, uh, doing linking uh, mids or mibs or whatever on some Cisco ESA data, um, and and ICID date uh, uh, fields, linking it together with transaction, you know, transaction and input. But then I, then I'd realize, well, we have the starts with ends with uh, thing. Why can't I just do the transaction with just starts with t- the word T1, right? Because again, I can't see the data, so I'm just kind of like trying to figure this out. You know, T1, right? And then ends with uh, DCP, and then uh, pipe again to line count greater than six, meaning th- there has to be at least six lines in total in that grouping, and uh, and send it back to them. And then um, they came back and said, "Yep, I think that'll work." Um, you know, because of, of the way that way that they, they confirmed the way it was structured, that was exactly what they were looking for. So it was just a kind of a neat way. I, I thought it was kind of neat, like. I didn't, wasn't sure exactly in the beginning how I was going to, I was thinking of all kinds of other things and then I realized, well, you know, I do know, even though we don't have a field to match, I really don't care. I just want to let it go because their, their requirement is whatever is in the, in the file, we want to see all of that until we see a DSCP, but it has to be at least six, seven lines down. So it ended up being a really easy one to solve using the transaction. Yeah, that's a good reminder because no. sometimes, you know, people ask like, well, if I find something and then can I find the stuff that's right after it? You know, because I'm expecting a certain set of things. And when you do tra- the transaction command, you know, the transaction command, the result of it, you know, whereas once you had many single events, um, they're all kind of lumped together in a cluster. It, it will create two fields for you. Like Maverick said, there's a line count field, which will tell you how many lines are in the transaction, this cluster. But there's also an event count field as well, because, you know, um, you might be expecting six events after it where right. there's a variable number of lines. So let's say it's a multi-line Windows log event, right? I, I, oh, yeah. I put two together. I did a login a little while ago and piped it to transaction field equals user underscore name. And I got two events, but I got 89 lines because they're, you know, two multi-line events. So there were multi yeah, exactly. In this case, I, I verified that it was single line, so the line count would work. But you're right. If if it, it really, I technically probably should have updated it and told them to do event count just to make sure that it was the event because that's really what they Even were out. Single really line events, it wouldn't have mattered because you know you still a single line events could be one line. But you but, have but some. Then, the cool thing is you have some options. Yeah, and there is a difference there, so that's good to know. Yeah, so I just thought it was kind of neat uh, and something to think about. So, you know, maybe someone out there listening might have a similar situation or may want to just group things, but they don't have a common field tying them together. They just want to group, start, you know, job starting, job completed, for example. That could be another way to do it. Yeah, there's a, like a billion things in Splunk that aren't obvious, but it's a really powerful product. So, all right, let's talk about Auto KV. Okay, so Auto KV. What is that? Auto KV. They split it apart. Or automatic key value pair extraction is one of the things that Splunk uh, does. Uh, you probably don't, you're not aware of this. If you're a Splunk user, you might be, but let's say you're, you're a new person. Um, Splunk tries to pull out key value pairs at search time. That means, let's say, for example, you look at a Windows event, you know, username equals the wild. Server name equals Maverick's laptop. Okay, and if it if it's in that structure where the key is the field name, for example, the key would be um, username, and the value would be the wild. The fact that they're separated by an equal sign or some delimiter, Splunk will just automatically pick that field out and then do its whole MapReduce um, summary statistics and all that, so you can use it. 
so this week, uh, inside Splunk, you know, the sales engineer dudes like us, someone brought up, actually came from a customer, this question. Um, they, the customer has control not over the information that's in the log entries, because that stuff comes out of uh, software. In this case, it's machine, machine generated. Yeah, it's machine yeah. generated by the developers. But they have control over the log format. Okay, so they can format the log in a certain way. So they said, what would be the best practice or recommendations on designing a good key value pair format? Is format, okay, meaning, you know, potentially name, you know, field name and then an equal sign and then and the, the text. But, you know. Like it's text in double quotes, so that way you can have yeah, spaces or whatever, maybe. But one of the things with AutoKV, and it's configurable, okay? So let's say you don't have an equal sign. Let's say you have a colon. Okay, you can configure that in props. Props? Yeah. Props.conf. You can do it in props. You can do it props.conf. Yeah, no, it's time, props you, and transforms is what well, it is. Well, it could be both, actually. It's, it's, could, it's both, right? So You could do either you, one. You need an entry in props.conf. Yeah. That says report dash, give it a name, equals a stanza name you're going to put in transform. So let's say report dash uh, windows equals, you know, my field. And in transforms.conf, you put a stanza that says the word my field, and then you say delims, D-E-L-I-M-S, equals. And then in quotes, the field delimiter, uh, the the key value pair delimiter like equals and then the field delimiter, which by default is a space, but it might be something else like a pipe because you got to delimit the key and the value and you have to delimit the field. So as Splunk's cruising through the events, it knows where the event, be the field begins and ends because sometimes you have like text like message subject equals Hi, Maverick. How are you today? Which is in spaces and stuff like that. So yeah. this this person was like, "Well, what would be the best way to do that?" So we had a little bit of a discussion on that, and you know, maybe want to give some give some details about a, a bit more about well, that. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So so the one of the one of the details. So so we of course everyone was jumping in saying, "Yeah, you can put put an equal sign between it." That's the most common one. In fact, I think I even have a question on answers.splunk.com that talks about you know what's the best practices, the most efficient way to do. Some of these things, and his suggestion is to always have an equal sign with double quotes around the value. Um, you know, but that's kind of assuming that you're going to be able to, you know, control what that what that content is. In this particular case, though, um, the customer came back and said that uh, some of the values. So, so, so you're sitting down for this, okay? Some of the values <laughs> that they that they dump out have new lines in them, and will be in multi lines. In, inside the event. So it's a multi-line event where the key might be somewhere and I guess they could draw the, put the key and do the format, but the values could be single line or multi-line. It could be one word or two words or it could be many, many sentences and paragraphs long for a value, for an actual value. So how do you handle that, right? So what I, what I suggested was um, being able to put the, the limbs in there to be uh, something, find a character that you can delimit it with that you know won't, hopefully won't be in, in the value itself. And uh, Splunk actually will handle the new lines. It doesn't care. It'll just go to the new line and actually put it all in one line in the, in, when, it, when it constructs the value in the key value pair, when it extracts it and displays it to you. Yeah, but then like what's the perfect character? Right? Yeah, like that, what's the perfect yeah. character? It's 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 fairly easy for the for the 
key value pair delims, but for the fields delimiters, like what's the perfect character to use? Which isn't, which I, from being a developer in the past, it's like an age old, this is an age old problem anyway, right? Even if you're, when we used to design these by, you know, by scratch, it was always, that was always the case, right? So, you know, I mean, not easy. Yeah. If you think about like even the Windows event log, and if you were going to write your own key value pair extraction for that, like Microsoft is barfing out the message. You don't have control over the message itself. So there could be, well, it, not every possible character, but in theory, there could be a lot of different characters. You could just say, I'm going to f- delimit my fields by pipe. And it turns out there's a pipe in the middle of your message text. And then Splunk goes, okay, that's the beginning of a new field. Yeah, well, and a Windows event, too. Yeah, if you wanted to extract, like, when you have a message, there's one in there that says message equals, and then it has a bunch of exactly kind of like what we're talking about. But but the, but Microsoft at least puts a structure where there's a new line for each uh, each new field, and then there's, like, a tab character between right. the, the key and the value. So you can use the new line character as the pair dilemma and the tab character as the uh, as the key KV delim, the key value delim, and and extract all those fields within the big field message, right? You could do right. that, and and I, I've done that, and I've showed people how to do that. It's easy to do, but but again, if the new line is in the value, then you can't use new line. So then, what do you do? You know, and then you know, so do you use maybe two characters? You know, like equal equal or you know, colon, colon or something like that, you know, and no, you don't, you can't, not with, not with the, not, not, yeah. Not so we discovered this. <laughs> I, I had a situation come up where, um, where, uh, a partners created a, it was like the guys from Xenos had created this little thing that forwards their information to syslog and they had, um, let's say host equal, equal. Cause like programmers equal, yeah. double equal is actually equals. Right. Um, well, it's a conditional equals yeah. typically right. what it is, yeah. Um, so they said host equal equal wild, you know, IP address equal equal 10.1.1.1. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go into the config files for Splunk and just type in delims equal in quotes equal equal. But it turns out that if you say delims equals and then in quotes in there, it's a list of single characters. So by default, it's like an or. So let's say if you had equal pipe and colon, semicolon, semicolon, those would all be field or key value delimiters. Um, And then obviously if you put a comma and then another set of quotes, that's going to be the pair or the, the field delimiters, right? Yeah. So that I actually didn't know. So we, we figured out. So first of all, that particular user is going to have to sort of just, throw a dart at the wall and go, eh, I'm going to use the ampersand sign, okay? Or I'm going to pick something that I don't think will ever be in any log, like, I don't know, the back tick, for yeah, example. Yeah, something, something, something like this so, it would so, probably never be in a data. Again, it's, just, it's an age-old uh, problem, I think, with any programmers, what they're trying to do it. But, but you know, I, 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 I'm pretty confident that they'll probably find a way to do it. And in meanwhile, we, we, you know, we're, we're filing an enhancement request, right, yeah. to, or, or you did, I think, or one of us <laughs> did, to 
to see if we can't have a way to specify a, a double two or three in a row to be a pattern that you could use to make it to pretty much make it no brainer. So because we're just, you know, we're getting leveraged more and more, right? For more and more situations, when we're going to see more and more of this, which is great. So we just need to, so it's great that we get the feedback and we get these kinds of questions and these kinds of problems to try to solve. And I'm just glad that we're able to like turn things around with our agile programming and stuff. Uh, in these releases and things, get get things back out to people so you guys could, you know, leverage it uh, much faster. You don't have to wait so long. And I like the fact that, like, a user gets the fact that Splunk does auto KV, right? So they go, they're thinking, yes, if I dis- instead of writing regexes to pull the fields out, if I can come up with the right format that will reasonably let Splunk do its automatic key value pair extraction, then I sort of just never have to maintain it and everything works great. Right. So Set it and forget it, yeah. Yeah, so I submitted an enhancement request to let you use a, a regular expression, um, not notation, just a single character, notation. but let's say, well, it, it, technically it is regular expression notation, right? Because... A matching character is regex, right? Right. Um, or you could do a backslash T for a tab. But I wanted a sequence, okay? So yeah, um, yeah. if I just said, you know, 3X or like let's say an ASCII character, like backslash X01 that I put in there. But the one thing you will have to realize is if you start putting a bunch of weird characters between your fields, those are going to show up in the Splunk UI. So you're going to see this raw log event that has a bunch of crappy weird characters in it but you can just change your display to like the table view and then make it look nice so. alright what else we got um, the sun classes you're going to oh about yeah I've, you know I found out this week that um, I have a customer in uh, here in, in the U, in the states um, well they're in the states but they have uh, offices all over the world I think and they're they're you know, kind of happy that Splunk has training. So, like, if you didn't know this, if you never bought training, it's you, you should check it out because it's not very expensive. But our Splunk training is instructor-led, and it's virtual. It's not like a website you go to and just read and listen to a bunch of crap. Uh, there's yeah. an instructor, instructor that's on the end. As a matter of fact, if you're in San Francisco in our Splunk office, you're still sitting at your desk, like a new guy, Jesse. He's sitting at his desk. There's not like a room where he can go and watch a training instructor because I think the trainer's in San Diego. But anyways, so you get a lab, you get a like a server, and you get a labs, and you, you know you dial up in the WebEx, and the whole thing works. But I found out today, um, this week, that we have kind of follow the sun classes. So there are classes. We have a trainer in London, and I think there might be a partner that does training in you know, Hong Kong, oh, but cool. on Splunk.com under the, there's a link under there called services and under services there, there's another link that says education. So you can like learn about the classes, but you can uh, also check out the schedule and uh, there are schedules for Europe, uh, the Americas and for folks in Australia. So that you might, uh, might want to check out um, as far as upcoming stuff. Well, you know, this week, uh, our Splunk people were out at um, RSA. And you know, there's a new shirt that came out. There's two new shirts. I Oh, I got a couple more things. Well, there's a new shirt that said, Looking for Trouble. I thought that was kind of a cool one. <laughs> now, I can't wait to get a size for my daughter, Addison Sophia, because, <laughs> man, she is... Uh, is that's, if, 
right now. This is perfect for the Blake laugh right here. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry. Cue the cue the pre-recorded Blake laugh. <laughs> and then while we're at it, one of these. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, well, welcome to the morning zoo. Okay. What, what, was the, what was the other? What was the other shirt? What oh, was the other uh, one? oh, there's another one called. Okay, so check this out. Um, you can now buy Splunk stuff. Okay, so this isn't like an advertisement. Really? Yeah, so this isn't an advertisement to buy a bunch of Splunk swag. You know, we'll you know send us like a- get out my credit card and buy it. Yeah, you, you can actually. So now, wow. um, you know, if you if you want a T-shirt, just send me an email. I'll mail you a T-shirt for free. But um, there's a swag store now, and is it on Splunk.com? Is it linked off there? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. I'll see. Uh, it's not linked on there, but it's. I know it's co-store.com/splunk. I'm sure they'll put a link on our website. But now there's actually. It's probably using companystore.com or co-store.com/splunk. So let's say if you wanted to buy like Splunk apparel, uh, you can. It's like or it's not like Splunk is really. I don't think Splunk really makes any money on this. It's just more like. Just the cost of it. Um, well, it's just so I can buy it too. Yeah. So like, like uh, if you look at like men's t-shirts, but the thing is, I noticed there's some new t-shirts in there, like cloud control. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that was kind of kind of cute, and um, uh, ninjas and a bunch of other ones, but they're like between five and eight bucks. I mean, they're not. Obviously, there's no, we're not what's, making any money off it. What, just, was, what was what was one on gut? There was one about um, yeah, save your gut for the beer. So what? Yeah, I don't know. Save your gut. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. So, the, but the, you can go out there co dash store co dash store dot com slash splunk again. There'll probably be a link on our website. But there's like, you know, they have polo shirts. So before we used to be only be able to send people t shirts, but you know now they've got laptop cases or little journals or even cool. uh, you know you want to buy a mug. A shot. So I there's can a, spl- get, I can oh. get a polo shirt with there's a, a shot glass. I can pop. I can pop my collar up and stuff. And- yes, you can pop collars. There's a Splunk shot glass, a pint glass, four bucks. I mean, that's Not like bad. nothing. I mean, you go Not to bad. Think Geek and it's way more expensive. And if you want to buy Splunk stickers, but a reason why I brought this up uh, is because uh, I, I discovered there was a few new. Uh, you can buy the koozie, the the can holder that says Splunk rhymes with drunk, and really, it's just that's more a popular like. One. If you want Splunk stuff, now you can sort of go get it yourself if you want. Of course, again, uh, send me an email, send you a T-shirt. It's no big deal. But some of this other stuff, if you want to buy it, you can. I don't know. Whatever. So, hey, also, hey, I got one for you. Um, if, are, are you done? Are you done with yours? Or um, let me check really quick. Uh, Splunk.com slash page slash events. Um, is, is that where you're going? Is that where you're going? Page yeah. slash events. Oh, okay. Page Off, slash oh, events. Website. You know. Uh, the things that are coming up, uh, as we announced last week, um, AFCEA on February 22nd through 24th in D.C. Southern California Linux Expo Scale has got a Splunk day. So they're going to be doing Splunk training for like 29 bucks. If you're not a Scale attendee, you can go there and get some Splunk training. It's, you know, And, and then um, in March, the FAA is having a trade show at the Swan and the Dolphin, which I've been to a billion times in Orlando. And then uh, GigaOM is having a conference called Structure in March 23rd. Because you never know when folks listen to these Splunk talks, you know, um, 
sometimes they're in the past and sometimes, hey, you, you might listen to this episode on the 16th of March and be unaware that the following week in New York City, there's a cool conference that Splunk's going to be at about big data. So a lot of stuff there, but you can always check out Splunk.com slash page slash events. And uh, there's always upcoming uh, upcoming events uh, cool. there. Okay, what else we got? What Anything learned this week? Any extra topics to bring up? I do, I do. Uh, I, real quick, um, we have Splunk for Pan and Splunk for NetFlow on Splunk Base. So I, was, I thought that was cool. Pan, was, what's Pan? Palo Alto Networks, What's man. Palo Alto Networks? You know what they do? Uh, they make network uh, equipment, I guess. I don't know. What do they do? Um, Palo Alto uh, Networks. Actually, that company is surprisingly successful. Not surprisingly like that their stuff is any good, but that in a very short amount of time, that company was born and then there's a lot of people use their stuff. Kind of like, like Juniper. Juniper saying like... Yeah, but they make a... I think it's... Is it... Uh, it's really an application firewall. I'm, I'm sure somebody from... It's like an, it's like an all-in-one or something, right? Or uh, Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, but it's application firewall, uh, which obviously does application layer stuff. I'm, I'm sure that I uh, am not doing their product justice, but it, and I have some friends that work over there, so you can send me a nasty gram if I represent it wrong. They're partners, Splunks, and Will Hayes, our business development ninja, and his crew of band of merry men in tights, uh, I've built another app called Splunk for Palo Alto Networks that gives you reporting for all of that stuff in Palo Alto that comes out of it, uh, which is really cool. Palo Alto's got some cool reports, but the log data that comes out out there is really easy to, to eat up in Splunk. And then uh, NetFlow. NetFlow, yeah. So we have so we finally got one there that uh, uh, so you can get that uh, those flows going into Splunk because um, uh, most of our customers do it themselves or our professional services will build things out. Now you can just download this thing and plug it in, configure it. And I think Deep Deep was the one pretty much working on now that when he defected from joining our team. Yeah. He's, he, uh, he, he went to go do that. So I, not, not that bad. I mean, I'm, yeah, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> he still worked for Splunk. But the cool thing about the Splunk for NetFlow thing um, is it actually lets you capture the binary NetFlow record. Uh, it actually uses NFDump to do that. And it feeds it into Splunk. And the NetFlow app, it's free. So you could download that, which is cool. Um, you know, you, if, if you click, you can click on the, uh, on the app. And then you can click ask a question if you have any questions about it. Because the developers of the app, since it's free, mm-hmm. unlike Enterprise Security Suite and PCI, those are paid or premium apps. You get support with that. The free apps are just supported by the developer, and the support is done usually through answers.splunk.com, so you can ask a question about the app. But NetFlow, it also comes with some dashboards and stuff in there, which uh, give you a set of reports on uh, you know, information coming out of the flows. And, and that's something that people have been asking for, I think, forever minus one, pretty much. They've been asking for Splunk to... Plus to, one, plus yeah, one, I think Forever you plus one? Yeah, yeah. Actually... Right, forever, uh, plus one, whatever, a forever and a day. Okay, plus, I get plus it. Plus two, plus two. Yeah, plus yeah. Two. All right, so that's out there. Um, all right, uh, a storm is coming. Okay, uh, what does that mean? I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. There's a storm coming, 
And what kind, uh, what kind, what kind of storm? Oh, I mean, yeah, you mean a like storm. a hurricane or a typhoon Ooh, yeah. or something? Or? Yeah, it's something like that. It's uh, think about storm. Where do storms come from? The cloud. The cloud. Oh yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just got it. Yeah. Not really worthy of um, of a, one of these. No, but this. But I just like to do that anyways. Um, no, so, it's, it, it needs a demonic one right now. That's what you need. Uh, you mean like uh, this? One day the center of our time. Yeah, the, the, evil, the evil, yeah. The evil maverick. So, evil. all right. So check this out. <laughs> For a long time, and long time is relative, um, people have been asking about Splunk in the cloud. Okay, because we have customers that run Splunk in their cloud infrastructure, you know, to eat up data in the logs. And they've said, well, hey, I want to use Splunk in the cloud. Can I buy a service from Splunk? The answer is no, you cannot buy us a cloud service from Splunk. Well, not yet. Not yet, yeah, not yet. So co-founder of Splunk, Rob Das, um, he has got a team. He's got a team of also merry men and people. I'm sure there's some girls on there that help out. And uh, they are working on a set of services for Splunk in the cloud. Uh, right now, it's codenamed Storm. And if you go to SplunkStorm.com, I think there's a sign-up page. I think it's pretty limited on who they're letting in, obviously. But yeah. um, it's really interesting because we had a briefing about this. You know, it's okay to talk about S- Storm and, you know, it's a future thing. Splunk, the approach is uh, Splunk the company, right? We're a software company. We don't know how to run a data center yet. Matter of fact, all of our services are outsourced. So like the thought of starting a brand new company, let's say if I was going to do a startup and make just like a service that does logging in the cloud, you know, you have to develop your software, but then you also have to have a data center that's available. You got to have a service that's available and monitor it and have 24-7 support and, and fidelity and all this stuff. And you can't just start like that. So, yeah. And we recognize that at Splunk. So what Rob did, the first thing they did, they got this whole system up. You know, it's all multi-tenant and sharded, and it's, there's a lot of really cool infrastructure back there. It uses uh, a bunch of cloud services to manage itself. But the way it's going to work out is um, uh, it's first going for developers. So say you got an app that's running in the cloud, and you want to spit data out of it. Um, when 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 it gets into beta and even the alpha phase, you are going to be able to leverage APIs to, to push data over to Splunk and it goes right in there. It's just somewhat of the same user interface from searching. Yeah. Um, then the second kind of idea is, let's say a customer doesn't have any resources, but they want to kind of do an instant proof of concept. You know, like yeah, just kind of, just kind of figure out if if it's what they if they can do what they are. Yeah, or maybe they, they can't. Meet the requirements or yeah, something. they can't get a server to. They test can't Splunk procure out. one yet. It might take two weeks to get one because they got put on a list or put a request. But they just wanted to just test the thing out to see if they even want to go right. down the path first. Right. Yeah. So Storm will be used for that, and then you know maybe That's let's cool. just say down the road, um, if it turns out to be a good idea, uh, and as really, you know, people do want to. Uh, use Splunk in the cloud. Um, they do. Uh, once we get that experience on really building a bit uh, a really world class service, then you know, maybe down the road next year, whatever you'll be able to purchase Splunk as a cloud service. You know, that's stuff. Everything is subject to change, but 
We get requests for it all the time. Though. Yeah. I mean, we, they, people won't ask us if we have that already. And I think that, you know, when you get one, a question like that here and there, it's one thing, but when you start seeing a, an influx of it where it's more and more, you know, adding up accumulatively, it starts, you know, you know, you start to take it like, okay, well, we need to take it to the next level and, and, and really do this. So, so thank gosh um, that all these guys, uh, Rob and Godfrey and everyone is really putting their emphasis on, on this kind of thing. And, 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 you know, we're listening to you guys. So, again, if you guys got feedback about this or any other things, please let us know. Splunk Talk, Splunk.com, let us know so we can continue to push this in the right direction. One last thing I, I thought was a couple of things that was cool about Storm is, you know what? You know, a lot of times people are like, yeah, just go build it. Just open up a cloud service. And I like the fact that we've sort of went, yeah, that's a good idea, but we need to take baby steps, right? Because we're really good at building software, but we're not really good at running data centers. We've got to get experience with that beforehand. Um, the other thing is sh you should know just for your, I don't know, edification or whatever. Um, edify me, please. Edify Splunk's me. cloud team, uh, the Splunk cloud team that builds storm uses all cloud services for that. So they use chef for all the deployment of all the code. They use GitHub to store all the code up there. They use pivotal, to do project tracking uh, for Agile. I think that's a pivotal. Heroku. These Heroku. These Heroku. They use. Um, what's the what's the phone one? They use. Um, they use a phone service. They also. No, no, no like a like a dot, say number one for whatever. They have that. And it's that's pretty cool, too. Or I oh, thought I they did. Maybe that yeah, was. I forgot maybe, about that. They also have. Um, they're also using, I think, Basecamp. By 37 signals. So they, they're trying to use all cloud services actually while they're developing this, which, you know, is really, really kind of a, a, a cool, cool idea. And hey, you know, they're working fast. And they, they, they don't want to be hypocritical, so. basically. No, no, no room for hypo hypocrisy. Right? Yeah, so, sure. You know, it's not like they couldn't get the job done, but, you know. Unlike Blake, which is he's all about hypocrisy. I mean, Completely, because he's uh, abdicated his commitment to Splunk Talk to Maverick and I. So anyways, that's kind of all for this week. Um, as Maverick reminded you, uh, email SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. If you got questions about anything uh, uh, about us or and, and, what and I'm go and, and search for Splunk Talk on Facebook, and you should like oh, us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got to... We got. We'll talk we, about. We that have. We time. have. We have one fan so far, so we need more fans to go uh, like that. Like us, and, and well, and it, we're also trying to. Like, maybe they don't like us. We're also trying to get our act together. You know, as far as, you know, maybe I'm, I'm thinking about putting Splunk Talk on the Splunk Wiki, so we can actually have show notes out there, and y'all can put information and communicate about it, and kind of make the podcast grow up. And of course, we're looking forward to doing video and, and more live this year. So anyways, as always, as I like to say at the end of every, every episode, um, have a great week. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, you know, and happy splunking. Happy splunking. Y'all better watch out now. Because splunk is about to die.